Hey, Dame. What's up? You missed a couple things. I know. You've been out of the country. I'm back. But, you know, you missed a couple great events that we did. Tell me about them. So, we are in the midst of a month of programming at the Apple Store on Michigan Avenue here in Chicago. We're doing five events this month around the intersection of art and activism where we bring in people who've been on the show, people in our community to explore the ways that digital tools feed art making and the shaping of social movements. So we had two great events already. Uh, the first one was with Bria Royal around illustrating our liberatory futures. The second one with Pigeon Pagonis and Sarah G. Ree was this past week around how do we document our own stories. But the good news is we got a couple more for you to be part of. Yep, yep. So tomorrow, Friday the 17th, and then on the 23rd, we're back at the Apple Store you can join us as well as other local artists and activists to explore how creativity can inspire social change. And it's for free. The best price ever. On the 17th, we're looking at the way that rhythm, beat, movement fuel our social movements. Who are the people we got on that one? We got King Detro. We got Rick Wilson. We got Bonita Appleblock. And we have Allende Cartman. We're going to be making beats on iPad. We're going to be starting some drum circles. It's going to be a blast. And then on the 23rd, we're getting back on the mic with Jonathan Mendoza and rap group Mother Nature to talk about the ways that using the physical voice can reshape creative communities and the ways that we can amplify those voices to reshape our world. This is hot fire. If you want to be in a place that reminds you of a Greek amphitheater meeting a spaceship to learn <laughs> about how to engage in social change work, come on down to Michigan Avenue. Visit apple.co slash art and activism to RSVP for your spot. Like we said, they're all free. They've all been a blast. We got a couple more. Come through apple.co slash art and activism. Hello. Hey. This is Ergo. It is indeed. Damon, you're back. I am. I'm back here. It's not as good here from where I was. I just got back, for those who don't know, from Cape Town, South Africa. How would they know? Maybe a few people follow my very cryptic Instagram. <laughs> Damon hasn't written an Instagram caption with more than four words since 2015. <laughs> somebody put the puzzle pieces together. But we're back here in Chicago, uh, and we're doing what we do, which is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of Chicago and beyond for the more equitable and creative. How was your trip? It was fantastic. I, I feel rejuvenated outside of the jet lag and fatigue I feel right now. Mm -hmm. But the earth is amazing. I touched the continent for the first time. I don't want to throw out transformative because that's what somebody would say here and I don't want to be cliche because uh, <laughs> I'm not sure yet. I'd have to like see the results. I need to, you know. You don't know if you've transformed Yeah, I need yet. to let it set in, but it was great. It was fantastic. How about you? How are you doing at the top of the year? I'm good. I took a little hair off the top of my head. Yes. Um, clean. And it feels good to be back in the studio. It feels like a really long time since we saw each other. It was. Because I was gone for like two this. weeks and then you were gone. I haven't yeah. seen you like in a month. Yeah. And you're someone who we talk pretty much every day <laughs> and like didn't talk for a month. Yeah, yeah. So just to- be, I fell off. To be a little- Yeah, yeah, I need you. To be a little we're saccharine back. and a little sentimental. I like, I always miss you when we're not in the same place. I was surprised with how much I missed you. <laughs> like to the point that I was like yesterday, like looking, I was like, what time does David fly <laughs> Like I texted you once knowing you were in an airplane. <laughs> like, he'll see it when he lands. <laughs> With an emoji. <laughs> well, we are here. Back we together, pallet it out. And uh, we have a, a, a wonderful episode to kick off 2020 right. Moxie Ann is here. Lindsay, Moxie Ann, a, a, a plethora of names. Many names. Uh, but she is a vocalist, songwriter, teacher, founder of a emergent nonprofit that will turn into a music conservatory. A really interesting conversation. Someone who just hit us up and it was a well-worded email and a good sounding song. And I was like, that's kind of all you need to get let's, on Ergo. Let's do it. If you word your email right and you write your melodies well, there's a seat for you here. <laughs> but before we get to the interview, a couple quick announcements. As you heard in the ad up top, we are still at the Apple Store this month for our event series around art and activism, so make sure that you come through those. You already got the info for that. Uh, we're headed back out on tour. You can book us, ergoradio.com slash booking. Buy your Ergo Tees, ergoradio.com slash store. Follow us everywhere at Ergo Radio. Write us a review and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Anything you want to throw in there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so without further ado, let's get to this conversation 
with Moxie and Ben. You took me for granted, pushed me, took advantage. Didn't think I was really as smart as I am. I am. I forgot how love felt when I say I lost myself. Tricked me to believe in things I did not see in you. But now I oil my hair daily. I drink my water, skin is glistening. I go to sleep and never worry. I spend eight hours dreaming about my dreams. I was busy counting your sins, but losing you was such a blessing. I thank you for the season that you came. Love turn cold. Our seasons changed, and then the spring just felt like rain. But summertime brought shine again. Our seasons changed. We're in the studio. We are with a wonderful special guest who this is this is the way to to meet a person is <laughs> <laughs> on mic in a soundproof room. Uh, Moxie Ann is here. So let's start where we uh, where we start every week. In this time, this moment, this season, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? The world is treating me with blue. Mm. Ooh, a little all synesthesia. I like it. All, let's go for it. All shades of it. Turquoise, teal, periwinkle. Mm. Um... Throw a little cobalt in there from time cobalt, to time. Cobalt, any blue I Midnight. can think of, the world has been treating me because we look up, we see blue. We look down, we see blue. Blue oh. is the symbol of life. What's the blue? Oh, Water. the ocean? Water. Oh, I'm a water. Pisces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am in my sign, so the world is treating me with blue. Mm, nice. Did you know that the Pantone color of the year for 2020 is a like cobalt blue? I did not know the what that. what color? Pantone, this is, shout out to Rosie, my partner, who's deep in the color yes. strategist. If you're looking for a color strategist, she is a color strategist. Rosie is your color strategist. <laughs> um, but yeah, color of the year is like a, uh, like a rich. But who is, what is Pantone? Pantone. That, those are the people? Those are, that's the Academy of Color? Yeah, that's the Color Academy. Pantone, <laughs> I think they make, they make paints. Oh, okay. Or like the, the color, they, use, they create the classifications that's used. Right. For and what's like the color of the year? Classic blue. Oh, just classic blue. Ooh, just like yes. straight up, just blue. straight up and down. If you like blue, we're here for you. Did you know? <laughs> I love <laughs> it. Did you know, did you know that blue is the least common, like primary color found in nature? That's hmm. fascinating. In, in secondary color, blue occurs very rarely in nature. Even like the ocean it's or the sky, they're blue. not actually blue. That's just reflection. Yeah. Until like flowers and birds are less likely to be blue than other things. Mm-hmm. And plants, and it was always the hardest. You know. Uh, when dyeing fabric, blue is always the most like mm. valuable. There just aren't that many because it's a lot dyes. of effort and energy, mm-hmm. and that probably explains why it's been my favorite color since I was little. Very rare. And my father always said, growing up, embrace the hard. Mm. Mm. That's literally. And when I walked out the door, he would always say, "Study hard, take good notes." And every day he would check my finger to see if the knot was growing to see if I actually took notes. Oh, mm. the little callus. So, yes, the callus. So for me, hard is just worthy. What did your then. parents say when you would walk out the door, Dave? After a while, I was like, get out of my face. <laughs> but early on. They were just like, get out of here. <laughs> no, that was me. To, to, to the, like, yeah, I got it. Um, <laughs> but uh, my, my mom did have a very intr- intentional tradition when I was younger. And she would ask me, what type of black man are you going to be? Ooh. And there was like a little script to the answer. One that, you know. Do you want to share the answer? Something, something with excellence. Uh, treating black women with queen, like queens is one of them. It was like three little like. Mm-hmm. Some, something around being excellent and gentlemanly was was more mm. or less the hmm. the trope. I love that, and that was like a daily little. There was a time where she was trying to get that off, and like when we retell the story, it happened every day. <laughs> of course, but... it might happen twelve times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you, you got one. My yet? parents would always say, especially like when I went out to go see friends, they would say, "Make good choices." Mm. It's like we're not going to tell you what, but like we trust your instincts here, but make the good choice. Oh yeah, my dad would say. uh be careful of the red zone. <laughs> my, mom would, my mom would ask generational questions. My dad would be like, be careful. <laughs> well, that was both. the other one my dad used to say before I left. Don't lose your head. 
Uh, Remember mm. what your last name is. Uh, mm. So say more about dad. Where, where, where did this uh, hard-nosed... So my father's also a Pisces. We're actually uh, three days apart. Okay. Um, depending the on the leap year. Oh, who's on a leap year? So I'm actually February 28th, but depending on leap year, if the 29th, because it's a leap right. year this year. It is a leap year this yes, year. Yes, he's the 3rd of March. Uh, um, we right, are so literally... Three or four days yes, we are literally twins. Um, he is the third child born on the third day of the third month. Three is a holy number. I'm going to um, well actually. You are not literally twins. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm going to just well actually. You briefly, you are not literally twins. That would be really challenging to have your father literally be your twin. No, that but he's like literally though. Movie. I know, I know, I know. Okay, okay. I was like, no, I had, it's okay. It's okay. I had a blonde moment. I was like, uh-huh. No, but yeah, he's That's being blonde. He's my person. I, blonde in the back. Uh, just the back, the back so, yeah. And I'm growing my little freedom lock over okay. here, yes. Which is named Viola Zora Viola Khaleesi, my sister and my brother-in-law. Help me name her. Nice. But anyways, um he's my person. He is a gritty, just family-oriented man that came he's first generation college educated. Mm-hmm. Um, Where'd he grow up? He grew up in Harvey mm-hmm. um, in the South Suburbs. Um, they were one of the first integrating families um, within the First United Methodist Church over there. He has been my steady <laughs> since my transition back to Chicago. Mm. Um, when I came back from New York, I was beaten up. You're, you're a New Yorker, so oh, yeah. um, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's tough. A part of Nancherla, who's a great comedian, has a joke. She goes, every day in New York, you're playing a game show game called So You Think You Can Live? Right. <laughs> so, right. And, 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 keep in, and keep in mind, like, you know, I, I came into, I interned at Macy's um, in the buying office my junior year. I came into my senior year at Spelman with a job, with my salary ready. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I had to go to New York. It's the Big Apple. It's Mm-hmm. I always my idea was Broadway, whatever, what have you. Long mm-hmm. and short of it, like is, to be a performer on Broadway. Yes, and that's still it's still manifesting. Yes, so I was trained operatically for a soprano. Okay, mm. um, I grew up watching musicals and and literally collecting Uh-oh. musicals. Oh, we are deep in the game right now. Yes, like, contemporary musicals, so, older musicals, everything. <laughs> what was your Rodgers and Hammerstein? Oh. Like. Like Phantom of the Opera, like um, the hills are alive with the sound of music, right. and then you know Carmen and and Dorothy, D- like ev- everything. Like yeah. I literally was at Big Lots the other day and bought um, an old Marilyn Monroe. I think it's How to Marry a Millionaire, just because mm. that that age, that that golden era of where women were expected to be a certain way. It's such great note taking. Mm-hmm. It's such great performance it is wonderful performance it's performance i went when i bef- um before i left i went to go see porgy and Bess and saw audra mcdonald's understudy she i cried like five times when i was i was right there just like oh um, they're just such moments in time musicals it makes me think of one of my favorite the the singer of all whose voice cannot be untapped, Ella Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. She is the queen. Yeah. Right? When you think of her. I thought you were but, about to say Whitney Houston is the Cinderella. Well, that, no, no, I mean. <laughs> Not joking. We can, but but, but <laughs> we can, you know, Whitney Houston stems from the right, Ella's. Right, right. Yeah, stems yeah, right, from, right. The Phyllis Hyman stems right. from, because I'm a big Phyllis Hyman f- fan as well and everything. But I say all that to say my father kept me steady. Mm. He kept me grounded and he knows how to talk to me. He's an attorney. Um, he's a marine, um, and I'm a I'm his baby. I'm his third child. That is two careers where you learn how to talk to people authoritatively. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But also know how to listen, mm. as well True. as and it's interesting because it plays with two sides of his brain and two sides of. But you know, he's a very independent soul. I'm a very independent soul, and we're Pisces, and we just get like, I am like the woman version of him, if you will, mm-hmm. um, of just independent, wanting to do my own thing unapologetically myself. I don't care if somebody doesn't like it. I don't always play well with others. I get that honestly. My mother is my passion. Mm. She is what taught me what it meant to truly have a heart. Mm. And just, even when it seems ridiculous, those hyperbolic, over-exaggerated emotions, just, she just, she creates a home. She creates color. She creates beauty, the smells of food, and just... Every holiday, we always have decorations, mm. and it's just beautiful. She's just taught me how to be a woman, mm. um, aesthetically, and just 
the way you carry yourself. And, you know, chivalry isn't dead. I, I you know, I'm people, oh, you're conservative. Listen, I, I, I believe in equity, but I don't want and I, I don't believe I don't want to be a man. I don't want to be equal to a man. I want to be treated as a woman fairly. I ain't got no issue with men holding my doors. I'll, listen, I always offer to pay, but listen, if you a man, you know, because I like to people to know it's okay to be complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to try to connect some dots right now. Okay. I love connecting so dots. We're talking, we're talking musicals. We're talking lineages. We're talking passion. Yeah. We're talking identity. Mm. Yes. Do you identify as a theater kid? Yes. Oh, that's what, that was my question. Yes. That was my thing. What has been your stage yes, work? Yes, a thespian. Absolutely. Because the way you said, the way you described getting your passion from your mo- mother and like a improv, it was it was theatrical. Yeah. Like a way that should be yeah. staged. Um, My mom. Right with you. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. As I mentioned, I'm the third. Mm-hmm. And as my mother says, and I've come to love this phrase now, Lindsay is my free-spirited baby. Mm. Was there a time you didn't love that phrase? <laughs> well, was that coded? <laughs> absolutely. Um, when I came back from New York, I was broken. I was paranoid. I was in trauma coming from corporate. Mm. Um, and I had my file. And so I knew what they were saying about me. Um, mm. They tried to send me a disclosure to say nothing happened. And I said, no, I don't want this money because this is a part of my story and it's going to be in my book. But I say all that to say I was broken. I was mm. broken. When you're in that state of trauma, everything is offensive because you've lost yourself mm-hmm. and your ego is now living through you. And that's never good because the ego, as Eckhart Tolle says, wants to grow. Mm-hmm. So I took offense to it because it's like, well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Am I not um, organized? Am I not this? Am I not that? Am I? And now when I'm on the back end of going to be 31 this year, I celebrated Four and a half years this in December with my therapist. Um, that's a that's yes. a long term relationship. Yes, <laughs> every week. <laughs> yeah, going to therapy for every week. We just started doing two weeks. Black woman, Northwestern, and I say that very importantly because it's also important that she has the cultural competence. She's also a soror. I'm an AKA, but shout out to all the sorors. But I was broken, and that phrase made me feel inadequate. Mm. It made me feel like I wasn't all together. It made me feel like there was something else that I needed to have and is always trying to prove myself. Yeah. Um, but in reality, now when I think about it, my mother has always protected me against those who tried to kill my spirit. Yeah. Mm. Paolo Coelho's first obstacle says, through childhood on, we are told that everything we want and all our dreams are impossible. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about them putting me in cantata choir and competitive choir, and I used to travel all around. Me being on being people to people, and going to France, Germany, Switzerland, and Spain in 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 high school, and, 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 that was and all competitions. In a choir contest? Yes, and choir. Well, I w- did choir competitively. <laughs> um, I tr- we traveled around the states in Canada. Choir? No, no, cantata, cantata choir, like a competitive choir where you sing in churches and you compete arts competitions are so odd uh, yeah, yeah. you know i'm not up um, on my choir competition game i bet that shit gets intense <laughs> yeah, yeah, i'll yeah. be at ninth period be quiet and you better be there too <laughs> shout out to you promise what student is this watching i, I promise online? i will be in ninth period but anyways it was one of those things where it's battling with yourself Mm-hmm. You know, but and that's then, beautiful what you, you said about. I'm sorry to cut no, you no, up, no, 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 please about um, what she was doing was protecting your spirit. So let, let's. And I didn't understand yeah. or appreciate that. I want to make a point that I did not understand or appreciate that, and I fought my mom for a very long time because we both have very strong. I'm sure you could tell I have a very strong personality. No, yeah, <laughs> um, and so we have very strong personalities, and. She always made statements where you don't understand. And, you know, the other side of it is, as her mother said to her, and as she says to me, just keep living, Lindsay. Yeah. Just keep living. Because all the stuff we think we know, we think we know in our 20s, I think this, I, you don't know shit. You know, as Kendrick Lamar said in Mama, right, he says the verse, I know everything, I know everything, I know everything. And it wasn't until he says at the end, I realized I didn't know shit when I came back home. Exactly. Right? And smart people know they know nothing, which makes them more curious. Einstein said, I'm not a genius. I'm just infinitely curious. Yeah. Yeah. Einstein had the bars. In addition to the uh, the uh, equations, he had it all. Yeah. And, like, I didn't realize his, like, social analysis. 
He's a, a he's not just like some scientist. No, he, he was, was a fascinating kinda, he was with figure. The yeah, yeah no, and, he was. and and even What's, his oh, point What's the article of, about? I just read an article about him and HBCUs. Yeah, his point of he went to go teach at an HBCU, and so and that that was a character choice. In that within that's himself, a sketch is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can see that too. on the yard. <laughs> I love you all's inside jokes. It's so adorable. That's just some that's just hilarious. Can you just imagine Albert Einstein like doing like like temporary? HBCU, like no, I mean, there's a picture. The there's a, no, but there's I'm saying, but like, imagine him, like, yes, now, like, yes. <laughs> he's got the jacket. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. I think it's adorable. That for me was a character building moment because he made a choice. It's just the ultimate answer to that, like that question, like, what side are you on? What do you value? Right, the alchemist. Alchemy is moving little value into a lot of value. Moving lead to gold. Right. So people rock with this book, The Alchemist, so much. Apparently, you do as well. I've never read it. I'm also teaching it. Ah, this, so you're so you're deep in the Alchemist game. So yeah, it's, it's like the kind of like the seminal text of this like manifest world thing that everyone's always going on. You know, um, <laughs> that sounded disparaging. You it's know, just, I have a very sort of back and forth, somewhat cantankerous relationship with the literary canon, um, just because it's so uneven, mm-hmm. um, and so white male privilege focused. Um, And so for me, when we get bones that are thrown, and they're not even bones, they're gems, um, they're diamonds um, or sapphire or everything else, everything. Um, Toni Morrison's Beloved, which was banned in certain, you know, states or, I mean, the Louis Eye, you know, when we think of that or, you know, Audre Lorde's that should be in the canon or, you know, Bell Hooks that should be in the canon or, you know, more Maya Angelou should be in the canon and, you know, all these things. And I compare that to me having to teach Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Mm. You know, that, you know, you know that one, one of my first... Nah. So you want to go ahead? Go ahead. No, you can. You, you can. You, I've never taught, taught it. it. I okay. just know. I haven't even <laughs> you know, read it. Um, you know, he was. I can't recall what what country he was from. I think he was but, British. But English. No, English was not his first language. Really? Please correct Let's me. If I'm, I'm wrong. on it. I'm on correct it. Correct me if I'm see. wrong. Oh, you're right. He was Polish. Yes. British. Um, and yeah. so, and what's unique about that is, is because in in the book. He is heralded by certain critics as using this language that's so profound. But in actuality, he's a language learner. He's right. an English language learner, meaning yeah. he's going to throw a lot more adjectives and a lot more, you know, those sensory words in there because he's learning the language as well. Also, how are you sitting here calling him so profound when he's coming from such a racial perspective where he describes Africans as ants and shadows and they don't even really have personalities within their own country that to me is ridiculous so you know? what the book what's is the, what's the name of the, the book? heart of darkness, the heart what of it darkness. Is, it's him telling the story of traveling uh, some tarzan type shit. up the up the it's river the congo. in the congo the congo so and it's, it's when the, the dutch overtook it's a um i didn't mean to cut you off but no that's the fine dutch, it's colonialism yes colonialism the dutch came there the it. king um long and short of it is at the end of the day, the barbarians really truly are seen as the white men who are there for the greed to actually take and steal and rape and pillage. But in actuality, they're trying to view, you know, the savages and the primitive, the Africans, that they're really the savages. But with their greed, they actually become the primitive savages that they thought that they were trying to tame. Mm-hmm. So there is a critique in There's there, but, it's, but, the de- but the depiction is not a... Uh... Not a friendly, debate. not a humanizing. No, but it's yeah, not it's, humanizing it's like at 1880. All. You know, again, it's about themselves. It's not about the people. You know, right. they're, they're kind of the the mechanism by which right. they do this realization, which is a they're very objects. common right. exactly. But even if you Google the literary canon, and when you think about the books that pop up, well, yeah, I mean, that's we you know we, yeah. the the Faulkners and the you know Catcher in the Rye. I'm like, I didn't fucking read Catcher in the Rye. Like, who wants you know? And I'm not downplaying that it's not a good book, but it's not that good. you know, I didn't even rock with it. You know, or or Oedipus, you know, all this, like, you know, I had a conversation about, you know, teaching Oedipus versus Born a Crime. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm going to teach Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. Do you know the literacy rate of black students? Our demographic is 99.9% black. I'm trying to get our students to read. They need to read stuff that makes them feel connected. We know this is not rocket science. And rocket science is even possible if you have the literacy for it. (laughs) You know what I mean? All right. So let's get to you in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to there I want to go back because you talked about coming back from New York and it sounds like you've had kind of these different chapters oh, yeah. and, and, and lives even within I have a cat one. so I have lived three of my nine lives <laughs> right, you got six to go um, yes <laughs> shout out to you cat holiday what brought you to New York and not what broke you but what what was the impetus for coming back home and realizing you knew nothing at all 
So my spiritual and my physical, and I'll talk about this because I am a spiritual person, I'm, and I'm also a religious person. I, and again, I say religion is man-made, and I grew up United Methodist, but I also understand the context of many religions being a part of the understanding. We all worship the same God in general. Different ways of the mountain. Right. My spirit was fighting my physical. My physical, which was driven by the ego, was saying, stay in New York, make it work, make it work, make it work. But a job just wasn't coming through. I had been let go. It just wasn't coming through. And my spirit, it was like, it's time to go home. Your lease is up. Mm, that's that's a you're li- that's that's one really that's good a that's a you know you're that's, li- a, sign. You're, that's a spiritual right. reminder <laughs> right. your lease is up you know and and I was in Bushwick before it got gentrified you know and so literally rent went from twelve hundred to like twenty five hundred for a studio yep. and it was just very interesting because I just and there's I could talk about that but I'm not going to it just felt like a shift needed to happen yeah and I just needed to listen. So you were saying that you were doing fashion out there? I was in the fashion industry, yes, mm-hmm. um, for two and a half years. I was in small bags, uh, um, handbags and small leather goods. It's funny because I joke around that I'm a bag lady. I've literally been carrying around hundreds of bags since for like, <laughs> set, like literally. And now I always have bags. I feel weird if I don't have bags. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Bag lady. But um, I like that you do your own drops. That's really fun <laughs> from a podcast perspective. That's great. Uh, I'm just a goofy. So when and- you when you stepped <laughs> when you stepped into that, what were you um not what were you trying to do, but like I was just hungry for New York. Mm. And, and it, it my parents raised me not to I haven't bought into the starving artist model. I've mm-hmm. tried it, but it just don't work for me. I need my check. I need to be able to take care. I've been working since fourth grade. I used to do commercials. I used to have an agent. Um, and then for some reason, a revelation. No, my spirit was talking. Fifth grade, I told my parents, I want to have a normal life and I want to get braces. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Did because you need braces? I, had, I used to have a gap. <laughs> So I used uh, to have a gap, and I used to have a really big overbite. Uh, um, and you know, who middle, wants braces? But you know, the thing about it, both my brother and sister had them. Mm, you know, I'm the third. Yeah, I'm following behind. And then on top of that, also like, I just I don't know if it's this world. I know that I've been here before. I know that I have energy outside of myself. I always tell my students I'm not of my own making. Mm-hmm. I always say it's by grace that I'm still here. I was really trying not to get through my 20s. There was just a lot going on. Mm-hmm. It's by the grace that I'm here and mm. that I'm at the space and discernment that I'm at. Mm. It was just time to leave. Yeah, yeah. And then I was on in the Gold Coast, little studio apartment, and I talked to my dad, and he was like, you know, why don't you go back to school for teaching? I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. Really. Had He's you like, ever thought about teaching before? You know, not in a direct <laughs> yeah, not line like of in thought. The classroom, yeah. Teaching requires a mature soul. Hmm. It requires a certain understanding of self um, because you have to take responsibility for other people's children. And I was like, I I don't want to be a teacher. And my dad was like, Lindsay, you've been a teacher all your life. Hmm. I was a certified babysitter CPR in sixth and seventh and eighth grade. Babysat. Literally, I'm telling you, I've been collecting a check for a minute now, bro. (laughs) Camp counselor. Mm -hmm. I was an AmeriCorps jumpstart in college. Um, I was a team lead for a group of nine. Um, Used to do pre-K in Atlanta, helping um, kids with literacy specifically. Um, So I've literally, and I I considered doing Peace Corps. I just, it just didn't work out the way, you know, I... Music has always, I always knew there was something I had to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and also when you travel in high school and when you've been so many places at such a young age, it's like you have a certain understanding of the world. And so it's like something told me I didn't need to do that at the moment. Yeah. I needed to still be here. And build some. Right. Some and so yeah. it's funny because I got off the phone with my dad and I started looking into the tap. Um, so I also will say this. My ACT was not great. Um, and so I had to take an entry exam Mm. i probably should have had an iep um but my Mm. parents weren't aware of that and also you know their stigmatization on the iep especially for black children um with this idea of you know a plan or whatever but i needed more time i needed more time on tests which for those who don't know an iep is an individual individual education education plan plan. right Mm -hmm. i got a phone with my dad and something told me just go out get some air have a moment end up going to this bar and there were no seats at the bar and i end up meeting this really really just What's the word I can think of? That's... Effervescent. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what? That's fine. We can there. use effervescent, <laughs> just jovial, but demanding character, black man, mm-hmm. Cornelius. <laughs> yeah, that's a effervescent name. <laughs> and he was sitting there with his friends 
I was standing there by myself, and I'm used to, you know, New York, you're used to going out by your own. That's yeah. the beauty of New York. You can do things on your own. Chicago's a little different, you know. If yeah, you ain't yeah. with your friends, it's like, what you doing? You're yeah. weird. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, Cornelius true. gets up. That's a great it's, it's true. <laughs> Cornelius gets up and was like, do you want to sit here? And I was like, sure. We end up sparking a conversation. We end up going out that night. He's a teacher. He invites me to his school, and I'm applying for paraprofessional, my master's. Mm-hmm. I go. He asks me to come up and teach a little bit. They hire me. And honestly, it's history from there. Mm. Um, you might have just needed a day off. You need a sub. Honestly, <laughs> and, like, and I, I, played, I love that. I've played all the movies. I, and honestly, though, like, teaching is hard. It is. Yeah. My, my, my and, partner is a teacher. And so, it, and so it requires constant reflection. It requires constant feedback. It requires constant getting inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. To be better because at the end of the day, they're kids and you can't take anything personal. Yeah. Even if some of it is personally against you, you can't that's take it funny. personal. And also, until you teach them personal accountability, and that's hard for even adults, they gonna blame you for certain things that they don't understand yet because their executive function isn't working just yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You they, know what's the wildest thing a right. student's ever said to you? <laughs> oh, oh man. You know, I can't even remember the wildest thing. I'll say one of the funniest things. You sure. know my teacher. <laughs> Like, I mean, by it's all like, metrics. I no, am. but like on some real, like, that's I literally, that's probably one of the funniest things that kids can say is you not my teacher. Because I literally say, baby, we're all your teachers. Mm. Like, y'all are my teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've learned to be a teacher through you as well. Because if you're doing teaching right, you have a growth mindset and you're constantly asking feedback from your students. And also really, truly, authentically creating a space where they feel vulnerable, safe, Mm -hmm. as well as for them to own it. Because especially with black kids, they need to feel like education is for them, especially considering 80 to 87 percent of teachers are white women. And Mm -hmm. we also understand that the majority of students that are in special education are black boys. And this idea of when a white boy acts crazy, oh, he just needs attention. He just needs. But when a black boy, he's bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The minute you start labeling kids, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. What do they start believing? That they're bad. That they're bad. Yeah. Turns out they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out they are, li- and yeah. they're like sponges. They're like literally sucking yeah, up yeah, yeah. everything. It's crazy. I got one. It's not, it's not, um, so I'm, I'm obviously not a, a day-to-day classroom teacher, but I, I'm an educator. I do a lot of like. Oh, I've read. So, okay. Cool. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, um, there's this teacher that I see I do in Michigan, mm. like a few, every few months. They were experimenting with this new like internal alternative education program because they had these two communities collide upon each other and like the teaching staff and the faculty was not yet prepared for like these different cultural and socioeconomic Mm -hmm. needs they were struggling a little bit integration but it was beautiful but it was i think the intention of it was beautiful at least from my experience uh, from cps but that was all context to say the space was very fluid Mm -hmm. (laughs) right (laughs) shit was all over the place so like the class you're in a vulnerable space fluid just means disorganized so it, it wasn't directed at me, but it was just one of the most hilarious, yeah, yeah. funniest things I've ever heard. So it was in like the middle of one of their like transition periods, and they just always roasting each other. And mm. he's like s- seventh grade mostly, playing uh, a dozens. And so it's a tough time they, to be roasted. I did not Lord. realize this until this trip specifically. Twelve, thirteen year olds have the most sensitive noses, <laughs> even though they're weird. But like they love calling out smells. Like once they like. Oh, this stinks to me. Oh, yeah. Like they can't control or say anything else. And also, maybe 12 year olds just have a lot of smell. Also, impulse control. That that's right. all the frontal lobe. No, but that is a lot of smell. So that's just that's, that's just the way so they funny. roast all each other. Even somebody don't, that's just their, their first thing. Before yeah. you look like this, is you smell like this. Well, and it's, they just started smelling. <laughs> right. Also. And so this one girl was just walking by, talking to one of her friends, it just like loud, boldly, but without like a lot of thought and pause, just mm-hmm. said, Girl, you smell like atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most brilliant, God, most po- like poetic, atmosphere. most abstract, so most stale. direct. You smell like you everything. Smell like- <laughs> you smell like this membrane between all of outer space and our environment. I'm through. Because the atmosphere I'm might through. be stinky. Yo, There's a lot of shit getting yo, Who knows? That is so So funny. yeah, that moment you right there. You smell like unhappy. Like, <laughs> That's so what? funny. Smell, not the atmosphere. So just atmosphere. Just atmosphere, like atmosphere. As, a, as a concept. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and some of this shit you just can't make up. Yeah, I just some make of the stuff like I that's just a good line. I have rolling things of like I think about different students and like I literally just went to go pick up all my files from my first classroom from my sister's house. She was they were getting clean. She was like, "Lynn, you gonna come pick up your files? I'll yeah. throw them away." I was like, "Nah, bro, keep my files." Like, mm-hmm. nah, because five years ago I was a whole different person. So that's how long you've been in the class? It's now five years. I've been 
in education six years, I've had my own classroom mm, for five. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. There yeah. Okay, because as a para, it's totally different than being a teacher. Yeah. In general, education teachers are very different than special education teachers. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about it is, is we really need to have a conversation about the dimensionality of teaching and education, right? Mm-hmm. When you are a doctor, you're a resident first. Right. You have to watch people. It's called pre-service yeah, training. Yeah, yeah. Paraprofessional allowed me to have pre-service training because I had all these TFA people who didn't know. Oh. They, I have a different, it's a whole different thing. No, we have beef who with didn't know. They yeah. didn't know what they were doing. And I'm sitting here watching, you know, and at the time it was all white teachers yeah. in my class. Don't know nothing from nothing. And I'm watching and it's like, well, no wonder our education system is so crazy. We don't have true value for teachers. But there's this SAT passage that we read where teachers are compared to seamstresses and maids. It's a woman's job. Right, right. Right? Even if a man's a teacher, it's like, you couldn't do anything. Even the the joke is, right, if if those who do nothing teach or those who can't do anything teach. Even the joking around about these teachers that are having sex with they I'm like, this isn't, like, that's a, something's wrong here. Yeah, yeah. Ew. I teach 18 and 19 year olds. Like, uh, they're my kids. I don't even want, like, disgusting, right? So it's like, we first have to talk about how do we build a foundation, like you said, stripping all these negative implicit layers and redefining it and using that fluidity, right? Because flexible thinking is something you have to have as a teacher. If your lesson don't work and your kids are dying, you don't just keep going with the lesson. Yeah. You stop and you change some stuff. Hopefully. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, right? Most don't. If if somebody's bleeding out on the table, the doctor just, well, I'm just going to keep going this yeah. way, right? Yeah. Like, no. Like, and studies show some teachers actually think more than doctors do a day. Mm. You spend more time as a teacher with your students than a doctor does with his patients, for yeah. sure. So, when you think about all these things, and it's, again, I'm not downplaying or belittling any other gifts that God's given people that we need in this world. We need attorneys. We need doctors. We need politicians. We need. We just need to change and reimagine. Those roles, right. Those roles and redefine them to fit within where we need to go. All right. So to that point, if you could reimagine your classroom or the space that you spend with your students oh my goodness what would it look like so i'm just gonna go ahead and manifest this out loud because i've already been manifesting it i am gonna have my own music conservatory within the next 10 years all right um it will be a boarding school type of model okay um i do want to be able to and i'm gonna explain that in a moment i i am going to (laughs) create um safe space housing and the reason why boarding school is because um as I've done research and what I've realized is because of the certain neighborhoods that I want to address and the certain students that I want to address. And also because a component of my nonprofit is funding and educating um, victims and survivors of domestic and sexual mm-hmm. violence, um, specifically focusing on right women and children. This is an um, existing nonprofit. Or yes. One so my, my, my Moxie, uh, my Moxie organization, which has been incorporated, mm-hmm. I'm working on my 1023 right now. Okay. Um, and so pray for me. I'm, I'm doing the, <laughs> not the easy, I'm doing the extended version. Yeah, what's, what's the 1023? Um, the 1023 is essentially the paperwork that you have to complete in order to file for the um, state um, to be able to get a 501c3. Let's go, to be yeah, let's to go behind, the, behind that. the lens here. So there's kind of two ways to incorporate as a 501c3. Mm-hmm. For all of y'all who are like, I'm going to start a nonprofit, here's some of the things it takes. So you right. can do it one way, which you get the certification, the easy one, and then you build your infrastructure and your board afterwards. Right. Over, and you have two years to complete all that, or you do it all up front. Which and, is what I'm doing. Right. And that means that you have more infrastructure so you can kind of hit the ground running, but it's a much more involved process right. up front. And, and it's a labor of love. I've been working with Women Business and Development Center. Shout out to Lissandra, my business advisor, um, and my plug. She's also What's an the attorney. Yes. You know, um, you know she's she, I, right. Um, but I had to put that because um, she's going to watch this and I'm going I love you. For the past year and a half, getting into building confidence about this because when, a big part of it is confidence, especially in a world where there's so much money there, but a lot of people who are receiving the money and a lot of people who are starting these organizations don't look like me. Yeah. I um, want to just go back to yeah. the um, boarding school. Yes. Thank I'm you. Sorry, thank you. God. Yes. Come on, redirection. Yes. Come on, teacher brain. We've got an owner. Yes. You know, that's what we're here um, for. And so a part of it is what we realize is right. Nature versus nurture. What, what I've realized is teaching is like an, your own little islands. Mm-hmm. Okay. My island is my classroom. Right. Okay. If I have my, my students for 55 minutes, 
and then technically attention span is about 25 to 30 minutes, right? Yeah. So I have about 30 minutes of intense work time. They've got a day from 7.45 to 4.37. Yes, that's our, that's our days. From 7.30 to 4.37. We have an extended day. Yes, Please. intense. Real like they needed those last seven minutes, right. too. Right, So Make it a so, round number. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, and so, so at the end of the day, they've got nine periods. I don't know what they're doing in other classes. I don't have control yeah. over. So all I have is this moment in time. So right. We're island hopping. Right. And so at the end of the day, when they leave me, just like when they leave school, right, our environments, our friends, our families, all of that influences who we are, yeah. how we do our habits, right? Habits start with thoughts. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're so busy doing all this, you can't even think straight. And so the concept of boarding school is to create a siloed sort of, in a sense, safe haven. A controlled environment. A controlled environment. And so that means that everything has to be there. Mm. And also because it's going to be a safe haven for domestic and sexual violence victims and survivors, and I say both because some identify as victims, yep. and that's nothing wrong with that. Some identify as survivors, and I want to validate yeah, both. However you would, yeah. Okay? I am gearing my space towards a specific type mm-hmm. of person and family mm-hmm. because and also I'm, I'm i'm i start school in may I'm, I'm working on my second master's master's of science and counseling for clinical practice that's important because there's going to be a space for therapy i envision black women and there mm-hmm. and also we have to teach when we think of stephen covey and the seven habits of highly effective people right it goes from dependence to independence to interdependence right mm-hmm. this whole concept of we have to build more independent to interdependent communities and thinkers growth mindset and so i want to create a space and a safe haven not only where the women who are coming and fleeing know that they can work in the school to see their kids also go to therapy Hmm. also take classes Hmm. and also it's a village it takes a village to raise a child Mm-hmm. And so the whole model is, and also music conservatory, my curriculum, everything stems from music. Right. You can learn math through music. You can learn science. Through that's everything. how I learned fractions. Right. And that's the thing. Literally, I will sing, like, one of my things with my students is talk, listen, read, share, write. We do a rap. Talk, listen, read, share, write. Talk. And they know that because they hear it, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you think about all these things in relation to literacy, yeah, right? It's a music conservatory because all of my students with my interdisciplinary holistic wellness curriculum, I want them to be multidimensional people. Mm -hmm. And also when we think about W.E.B. Du Bois, the talented 10th, I believe in that model of creating a talented 10th, but it can be bigger than 10. Mm -hmm. People think that arts is just fun. and No, arts is strict. It's structured. You know, so to answer your question... I want that controlled environment. I want that space where they are able to create a community within. And also, I also want to tap into the foster care system. I want to just ask a question before we get to that. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I heard you say, I understand the controlled environment, the benefits of that. But the idea of that, like this training, this classical training is strict and structured. What is the value in holding on to that in this new model? I love this question because as someone who has gained emotional maturity in my late 20s and early 30s, mm-hmm. I will say this story. I used to play piano. I'm mm-hmm. getting back into building relationship with that, with that instrument for 10 years. I used to have fall down screaming tantrums because I didn't want to practice. I yeah. used to hate practicing. I did not want to practice. And I just said, you know what I mean? I got a gift of gab. I've got charisma. Like, I knew I was talented, but I didn't understand that hard work beats talent every time. Yeah. So maybe call it the diligence. Right? It's, right? Perseverance. <laughs> character. But like that. Structure creates discipline. and pers- But you have to teach kids emotional maturity. That's the emotional intelligence that I didn't get until later. And I'm very thankful that my parents let me be free. Because I wouldn't be the person who I am and -hmm. I wouldn't be where I am and sitting here today if I hadn't gotten that. But just like there's duality in who you are, you've got to have the hot with the cold. One has to even the other out. Plus can't happen without minus. So in this, what are the two, if we're using this binary, the two are Mm -hmm. like that free spiritness and that structure? Those are kind of the two sides of it? Yes. So 
I've been doing a lot of research about different schools. When I think about the schools that the Obama's girls went to, the Quaker school, and you know, at the shout begin- out the Quakers. And, yes, in Quakers the morning where they have to yeah. be silent. Yeah, it's a silent time at four five. That whole idea of control, especially with. With this generation, I sound like an old person, but with this generation of social media and attention spans of three seconds and stuff, mindfulness is a big part of my practice. I've been studying and been working on mindfulness actively for three years now. Mm -hmm. Actively, I would say. Mm -hmm. Inactively for about five years. Mm -hmm. Because you you have to start taking it seriously. You have to start making goals. Actively still versus passively. Right. I mean, yeah. Because, you know, smart goals, you know what I mean? When people, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I don't believe in that model either. You know, you have to start with a goal. I rock with an intention. Yes, you have to have. If it's a resolution and then you don't do it then you failed you know people don't plan to fail people fail to plan so to this to this says. point I, I had a feel that sounded like a death yes <laughs> I know you do where does this discipline this structure that you've you know that's connected to this emotional maturity where does that come in in your own craft at this point because I, I want to make sure before we get yeah. out of that we talk a little bit about your music because yeah. that was you yeah. know, we, we didn't know each other when you reached yeah. out and I took a listen to some of your music and thank you of course and I, I really love for taking the, a risk like the song structure of it was really conceived like intentional and active so so how do you think about the value of that structure in your own craft and in the things that you make you know I'm going to say what I said in one of my first interviews, my really good friend, Meet the Outsider. Shout out to Vanessa and Lauren. No, we don't allow repeat interview um, quotes. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm going to say this because I still live by it. I'm still learning as I go along. Mm-hmm. I know that I know nothing. And if I didn't have that state of mind, I wouldn't be able to value the silence mm-hmm. when I go home and when I get in my car and I turn off my radio. I don't listen to the radio. When I turn off my music, I wouldn't be able to value the moments where I am doing my laundry and and folding my clothes and understanding how those small little things, those structured things are part of your identity. Those little, God is in the details, in the small details. So I would not be able to value structure and discipline if I did not start off on the complete other side of it where I was just, I told you by the grace of God, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm still a wild child. But teaching has calmed me. Hmm. My students have kept me real and authentic. I used to tell my dad all the time, I want to be real. I want to be authentic. I want to be genuine. Teaching has taught me how to be real. Mm -hmm. And our kids need so much. And so you can't afford to just be all over the place. Mm. You can't afford to come in and not have your shit together. Yeah. Yeah. Even when you have bad days, you have to explain yourself. You have to be accountable so you teach your students that it's okay. But structure comes from me being able to understand that I started all the way on the other side of it. And by grace, I've been able to get to this point. I'll be 31 on the 28th of February. And I'm just, I'm still trying to figure it out for me. I'm still trying to understand what it means for me. Because sometimes I go all the way extreme. My students sometimes be like, Miss Mitchell, you you tripping. Yeah. You know, she mad. I'm not mad. No. Y'all not doing what I need you to do. Yeah. So it's an ongoing battle. You know, you got to give some. You got to take some. You got you to let some stuff go. You got serenity prayer. So so what has the work in that classroom of learning those lessons, how has that changed your music making process? <sighs> time is just so much of the essence. Mm-hmm. My grandfather said, time management, Lindsay. Your time, you can't never get it back. Because my time is becoming less of just being out here, everything is intention. Yeah. You have to think as a businesswoman, as an entrepreneur, as, you know, the, the, the motto, we have to be 10 times faster and three times that I can't remember. And also as a black person, right? The black superwoman complex. That's a real thing for me that I'm you, still working through. How do you define that concept? I mean, it's very, you know, you could you can look it up. It's... The belief that, right, black superwoman complex, I have to do everything because if it's not done by me, it's not going to get done the way that I want to. Complex. Mm -hmm. Always trying to prove yourself. I always got to explain myself. I mean, look, I don't look like I'm 31. My kids, I was on the south side, on the west side. She she my age. I get that all the time. And I had to learn how to laugh that off. That whole, you know, well, you don't look your age. Mm -hmm. You're right. You know what I mean? You You look like one of the kids. You know, I used to take offense to that. You know, but it's about that constant understanding that you have to just accept 
and stop trying to be in control of everything. Yeah. That's something I'm still trying to figure out. That shit is hard. That is hard as hell. <laughs> Release control. You know, I understand why SZA wrote control. Yeah. Control, you know. That's the big challenge. Where, how's that going for you? As Maya Angelou says, if you can't change your circumstance, change your attitude. How's that so going, though? I, honestly, I keep my mantras and my affirmations around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have my book today, but I keep my devotional book around me. Um, I'm always reading scripture because it says the more you read, the more you have discernment and wisdom. I'm trying to learn to be more quiet and silent. Mm. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard, but nothing in life worth it is easy. It's also so, hard when you're an outward-facing person to give yourself the permission and then build the tools that it takes to yeah. be inside and be yeah. okay with that. Learning le- learn history is what helps me to to release and let go. And like trying to get the longest. Oh, mm-hmm. history. Like even going like, even it's not technically history because history is actually a practice. But mm. that concept, like prehistory. Like do we know that 70,000 years ago there was a volcano that erupted that like reduced the human population like 2,000 people? It's like that's I beyond mean, my control. Well, but according to science, <laughs> like, some things are very much, you know what I mean? I mean, when we think about an article just came out that energy very much, you can feel the energy between people, this whole concept mm-hmm. of that, you know what I mean? I think also what my therapist has helped me learn is, you know, accepting that you're human and that you're going to feel things that maybe are uncomfortable. Right. I have a right to my resentment. I have a right to my anger. I have a right to my, my hurt. I have a right to my pain. And it talks about in scripture, you know, if a brother has hurt you, go to that person. Sometimes it feels like every time, you know, as of, and of course I'm speaking in my experience, every time I've talked to some white people, and it's not all, when I talk about certain things, it's the white fragility comes out or the white privilege comes out or the guilt. Deal with your guilt. Deal with your shame. At the end of the day, you stop stop trying to act like it didn't happen. Stop trying to... The first start is let's have a conversation about reparations. Let's have a conversation about it. And so to your point... First, I had to go through four and a half years of therapy, of talking out with an objective person who's, you know, trained to get through all my feelings. Because to your point, if it wasn't for me having therapy, which is a privilege, right, with insurance, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gotten to this as fast. Right. Well, isn't it also, as someone who also is a talker, it's fun to have the space or important, at least for me, to have the space to let the stream out to the point that it ends. Yeah. And then the moments where, at least for me in therapy, yeah. the moments where I'm quiet are the moments that I've like let the, the, the ticker tape run out. Yeah. Or like the, like the VHS gets to the end. That's where the stillness is, is like the cycles in my brain. I let the hamster wheel go and go and go until it gets tired and then I can breathe. And that's where I find the things that I wasn't sure and about. And that's why it's so important that we create vulnerable, safe spaces, specifically for those that are the most marginalized. Because if my, and I say this, I've been going to therapy since I was little. If my, if I ever felt my therapist had judging eyes, I would end it. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you have to feel safe to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that's the thing about sometimes with social media is People, we need more therapists because people are just releasing. And it's like, you're not in a safe space. Right. This is not the space to be doing this. Well, it's like when people say, like, art is therapy. So, no, therapy is therapy. <laughs> therapy is therapy. Right. Stop trying to, oh, I'm a didactic and I can teach my, no. I need to go somebody who has a degree, who has a cert, because I understand learning, but also I understand that I don't know all of learning. I understand that I don't know everything. And I understand that I'm also a layman in certain things. And that's okay. Yeah. Stop so, trying to act like you know everything. So we've gotten so, through so much of this growth, and what I'm hearing you talk about is getting to the point that you can acknowledge and understand that exact point of being okay with the fact that you don't have all the answers, being okay with the fact you don't know it. What's something that you were very sure of, very certain in four years ago, that now you're comfortable questioning and understanding you don't know the correct answer to? Mm. Ooh. I was for certain about four years ago that the music industry was not going to accept all that I was trying to give because from what I've seen and what I saw, women within the industry that have made it have had to sacrifice certain pieces of them. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I came to accept I'm only going to get so far Hmm. because there's just too much here. I want to do things too much my way. I need to hear my voice. I And it came from one of my biggest triggers is being made to feel small, yeah. belittled, mm-hmm. or condescended. And that was something that came from corporate. Mm. For the longest, I thought that it had to be my way, the way that I wanted, how I wanted it. But then as I released my first project, Forget Me Nots, and 
I started releasing my poetry and just releasing and putting more of myself out there, it left me room to be open to receive other people. Mm -hmm. Because I was still so much trying to prove something, still sometimes, to myself and to other people that I'm smart enough, that I'm wise enough, that I'm old enough, that I'm this, I'm that. As opposed to just knowing you are enough. Yeah. And also just as well that I would have to dim my light for other people Mm -hmm. to make other people feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, And now I realize, no, baby, you the sun and burn brightly because it's going to warm people that need to be warmed. Yeah. And it's going to attract the law of attraction. When you get focused, so focused on you and your goals and yours and what the source and what God in the universe has set for you, as Will Smith said the other day, the universe is going to get out your way. And so now I realize I can be accepting towards other people. I can be open to receive other people. I mean, my songwriter that I work with, shout out to Feli. Hey, Feli. And my team in Atlanta. Okay, shout out to Marquise and I was only open. Yeah. I was only open to that because first I had the privilege of being able to put my stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And then also because I began to become open to say, you ain't got everything. It started with our first conversation, right? You start asking people to be a part of your team when you realize you can't do the stuff anymore by yourself. Yeah. And so I had to accept I'm so much better when I am all of me. And when I accept that all of me means that it's okay to grow with others and build other people's moxie, the audacity to be mm-hmm. oneself, the character. Yeah. It's about moxie. That's the movement. I want people to have their own moxie. I want people to have their own audacity. That's my line name. And I'm ace on my line of 11, and I'm the youngest on my line. Moxie That's my line name. And so... If I'm truly living in my truth, that means that if I really, really love myself, I will love others enough and who they are to give them space to be who they are. And also, I stopped trying to say I understand. I change it to I receive. Mm. I receive that because I don't understand what it's like to come from a divorced family. I don't understand what it's like to come from lower class or, or working class. I don't understand what it's like. There's, I don't understand what it's like to be white. I don't understand what it's like to be a man. The sooner you start to recognize that you don't understand mm-hmm. nothing and you just say, I receive. Because mm-hmm. if I receive you, that means I'm holding space for you. Exactly. Yeah. So in the spirit of space and time. And reception. Let, let's m- keep the space and move to the to the time that ends. I, 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 I was trying to go, but I, I was trying to move us to the game. I saw it. it okay. I, I worked real hard. I worked really I was hard. Right there. You, you all you have to do is stick the landing. I know, I know, yeah, but right panicked. now I'm just spinning in air. <laughs> yeah, you panicked. You had it. It's like when a, a gymnast is like trying to, f- like they're doing flips. <laughs> before before we move to the game, is there any piece that you want to circle back to? Let, let's do a little like checkout. Um, what's okay. A, what's something that came from this conversation that's sticking with you? Uh, or just how are you feeling right now? Um, I'm feeling very appreciative and grateful for you all Mm. um, and for this space. I think what I'm also realizing as well on this journey is, um, and this is something Feli told me, everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going (laughs) to accept you. Everybody's not going to understand. And you don't have to explain yourself to everybody. (laughs) We're all on our different journey and we're all in our different lane. And there's some people that are just going to be toxic. Um, There's some people that are just going to, wish the worst on you and you just have to keep praying for them. Just like, for example, you know, somebody just said, aren't you supposed to be grading papers? (laughs) Focus on you, you know? And it's funny (laughs) because it makes me think of also, right? People are always going to have something to say. Mm -hmm. People are always going to have an opinion. And at the end of the day, a part of this journey is accepting that it's okay to be who you are and also not feel like you have to explain all of you. Mm-hmm. If you don't get it, I guess you'll see or you won't. Yeah. And that's cool too. It's all love. Yeah. How about you, Dame? Being a little bit honest, I'm a little jet lagged from a day of global travel. So that's one of the things uh, that I'm feeling. Um, I really appreciate one, the placement of self, right? Like I, th- I think this kind of, you're, you're very intentional about like naming all of the ways experiences have shaped you, naming all the ways positionality. And identity has shaped you and then trying to be very intentional in that. And then I'm, I'm thinking a lot about uh, the diligence and artistry 
because that's something that I always just like struggle with and, and want to be, you know, more diligent in my own practices. And so th- those were those are two of the mm. the threads that that stuck with me. Hmm. Uh, what's sticking out to me is I loved hearing the way you talked about your relationship with your students. What really shone through to me was the like deep passion yeah. and commitment you have, not just to them as people, but also to like figuring out and continuing to challenge yourself to reimagine what does it look for you to be leading that classroom and and the that. listening that you're showing to them and the i can just tell by the back and forth like how deeply you care about that and so that and, and highly intentional and i think it's something Thank that you. people who aren't in classrooms don't always see and you know there's the like structural challenges that make it harder for teachers um and then there are the ways within that that people like push and push and push and give so much it almost feels cliche to talk about, but it isn't. It's the most important. It's so fucking important. Yeah. And so it was really cool to see, you know, as someone, you know, you're someone who do does a lot of things, but it just became so clear that, like, that is where you pour so much of your light into. So that was Thank really you. beautiful. I appreciate that. Ashe. Indeed. We are in a new decade. We are in a new decade. <laughs> so we play a game that, like Kiss alluded to, is dealing with time and accountability is at the crux of it. So for a long time, we've had a tradition of using beef here as our accountability tool. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in jest, often with deep spiritual vigor. (laughs) (laughs) Verb and vigor. (laughs) So we have have an abstract target, uh, but it is time-based. Okay. The 20th century ran amok. Mm. 1900 to 1999. Crazy shit was happening. So we invite our guests. That was a wild boy. Every week to play our game, Beef with the 20th Century. So you get to pick a person, an event, a phenomenon, a legacy, mm-hmm. a trend, a, a, a law, anything that happened or originated from 1900 to 1999, start Beef with it and why. The first thing that stuck out into my mind is um, the beef that I have is the adultification of black children. Can Language you... like super predators. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Clinton. As you, another. Know, <laughs> um, it's, you know, I want to be very clear because um, I voted for her. It's not a Clinton issue, um, even though he's the one that um, wrote that into law. He was all she might have been the person to know, say that. She, she made the yeah, statement, like but, but, the but let's be clear discourse. about but. also demonizing Hillary Clinton and this whole concept of how she is viewed within society. Because I don't even want to I don't even want to get get off track on that. That's just the <laughs> language that I used um, because it's so visceral. I've met so many kids through my experiences that believe that they have to be grown before they're grown. Yeah. And this whole idea of what it means to be an adult, this whole concept of adulting, this whole I'm this and I'm that, you're not going to tell me that. Sometimes it feels like our kids are so driven off ego and off of this surface level, as long as I can get a check. And that means you're surviving. Mm-hmm. So I think one of my biggest beefs is with equitability and intersectional conversation is about how the dynamics of our society has stripped a lot of our kids, and when I say our kids, black kids, marginalized kids, from actually being able to have a childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the adultification of black girls, um, hypersexualizing black girls, when we think about the hot and top Venus, and we think about all of those things, um, super predators, um, naming and identifying and labeling black boys um, as bad or as evil or as predators, um, these types of labels are very damaging to the psyche, and they have trickle-down effects to all of us. Mm -hmm. And Um, it affects even within the institution, right? Absolutely. So who gets charged as an adult, who gets charged as a kid, all that kind of stuff, the carceral logics of it. Right, right. And so my biggest beef is the mislabeling and the labeling that has been put upon marginalized, specifically black society, from white male privileged society who's running everything. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sick of the media all being owned by wealthy white people. I'm sick of all commercial stuff being owned. And then now you're also picking the books that we're reading. And so now our kids don't want to read because you've decided what they're reading, what education, all this. It all goes back to this isn't for you. Education isn't for you. You don't belong just go work in my factory or just go work at McDonald's or just, and it doesn't downplay that some of those are coming up types of things, but the adultification and not allowing actually to be a child, not allowing yourself to actually be free. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest blessings I had was the freedom of childhood. Yeah. 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 
Beautiful. Uh, before we get out of here, how can folks find you and your work in the ways you want to be found? Yes. Um, so you can follow me, M-O-X-I-E <laughs> underscore A-N-N. You got to type the melody, though, in order to get in order You to know, I, I do. Uh, so M-O-X-I-E underscore A-N-N, Moxie Ann. Um, you can also find me at lindsayannmoxie.com, which is my website. Um, check my links out. Um, all my links are in my Instagram bio. And, you know. In SoundCloud, the, yeah, the album Spotify, excellent. Apple. That's my old album, and I've got new stuff coming up, so I'm super excited. Um, but um, education is very much a part of this conversation, and I'm using music to move forward the Moxie movement and mm. all of this. But yes, check me out. Follow me. Yay. Mm. Beautiful. We're at Ergo Radio. I'm Damon underscore AF. At Ergo Kiss. And we'll be back next week with another person reshaping the culture of Chicago and beyond for the more equitable and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Cause they can't stop me Cause I said fuck swag I got moxie Hey Dame What's up Kiss? I want you to meet my friend Miriam here Hey Miriam, nice to meet you Nice to meet you too Miriam's my oldest friend in the world The whole world And she is a devoted podcast listener Are you? I am Oh, well that's love I don't even just I don't mean our podcast I just mean podcasts in general Okay I love podcasts how, how do you usually find your podcast? What do you listen to them on? <sighs> the iTunes mm. app. Yeah, I know. Very basic. You're not thrilled with it? It isn't the best. Well, the good news is we actually have a recommendation for you. Oh, yeah? Well, Ergo is sponsored by Overcast. It's an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. Man, it's for the people. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it free in the app store where you get all the other things. That yeah. You, you going to check it out? Sounds amazing. Cool. We won you over. Look how effective this ad is. <gasps> yeah. Pay, pay us more money, folks. <laughs> that's that's advertising in action. You see? Works. <laughs> see, that's how good we are at selling things. We're doing this. Hey, yo, Harold, hit me up, man. I am an advocate and I can market your stuff because look how great we just marketed Overcast. We just gave an ad for them and an ad for us. I think it's time to get the fuck out of here. Let's do it.